Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So you've got that first property. You don't know what to do next. Do you rent it out and go and upgrade to your dream location or dream house to live in? Do you knock it down and go and build your dream home on this particular block you've already got? So many questions, so many thoughts that run through your mind. We'll unpack this today. I'm John Pigeon, and you're listening to My Millennial Property. Emily. Yes. A lot to unpack, isn't it? A lot to unpack. And it's a good problem to have. That's the biggest thing is if you already own a property yes. and you've got options, that is a great position for you to be in. So I'll kick this off by thinking about the type of property that you want to live in versus the location that you want to live in. It's, mm-hmm. it's type versus location. Yes. And which one do we prioritise? Mm-hmm. Now, I suppose wind the clock back six years, I was in this exact position. Yep. Had a house, pretty crappy one, mm-hmm. <laughs> on a good block, great location, never moved from that location in my mind. But the house was not beyond repair, but it was just designed the wrong way to the point where we had to sink too much money into it yeah. and it'd still be an old house. Sure. Pos- position on the block was no good, layout, a whole, whole range of things. So... That decision for us was a pretty straightforward one in the sense that we had our location, let's just build a home that we want. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what we did. But the question of are we already in our dream location or do we want to upgrade to a better location and do we focus on location over I've got a brand new kitchen or a, a house that's just unbelievable, I love it. Yeah, and it's always a balance and it's the two attributes of a property that people grapple with all the time, location versus accommodation. Mm. And depending on your needs, wants, lifestyle, the answer will be different. I would say majority of people do sit in camp location over accommodation Mm. because you can always change, upgrade, modify the accommodation within reason. But there's also some people who... The house almost speaks to them. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but they just love the feeling they get in this particular house. And it doesn't matter where it is, you know, for the right house, they'll live where that is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So so what you're saying is there's no right or wrong here. It's just what's right for you. So that's the first criteria is what do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it accommodation or is it location? Correct. And you'll find the majority of listeners will fall in their location box. Mm. So they'll certainly say that that's paramount to them. Yeah. Um, and then if you have, and this, this actually whole episode stemmed from a question that was on the Facebook group from Ellen Lee, who was deciding whether to buy an upgrade from what she already owns or knock down what she has and rebuild it, which is kind of, you're alluding to the fact that that would have been the case for you. Is that the, the house you're referring to, is that what you've since built on? Or is it, yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. So now, fortunately enough, we've got both, which is great. But 
uh, and it's not a, maybe a concern or regret, but people tend to put focus on the home only to realise that, hang on a minute, we didn't think 10 years in advance. We, now the kids are grown up out of our hair or now we've got them and we didn't have them when we first thought about this. Yeah. So now we actually don't like the location or we want a different, better location maybe. Sure. So you're right, you said before, like you can change the accommodation, you can't change the location unless you sell. Yeah, exactly. And so trying to work out what the best decision is for you will come down to a number of factors, but I think the the biggest thing is that you do have choice in the matter and you need to know what your options are. Yes. So once you own one and it's your PPR, it's your first home moved in, loving it, but now you need a, a change for whatever reason. Mm. Most people grapple with, do I change it into an investment property and then upsize? Do I sell it and upsize? Or as Ellen has asked, do I knock it down and rebuild mm. my dream home? And the answer to that question is going to be varied upon your personal circumstances, but each come with risks and each comes with benefits. Mm. I think maybe if we unpack each case scenario to help people kind of decide if they're in this predicament, the first one being, do I hold it as an investment property and go and buy something else to upsize in? This is, I would say, the most common question we get into the podcast. Yeah. Like how do I even go about that? And it's actually, I'll find the episode number. We did do a whole episode on changing your PPR into an investment property. Like logistically, what do you need to do? You know, yeah. property manager, evaluation at that point in time, yeah. um, maybe a depreciation schedule, all these things. Um, but deciding whether it's the right thing to do would come down to the numbers. Mm, yeah, totally. So how much do we need to spend on our upgrade? principal place of residence yes. and have we got a deposit sitting there? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first question you would ask yourself is, okay, if I want to go and buy something for a million dollars and I need a 20% deposit, have I got 200K plus stamps sitting there and am I comfortable with a repayment for 800K loan? Yeah. Um, if we haven't got the cash there, then the only alternative is to use equity from our existing property or sell the existing property. Mm-hmm. Now you might, because you're taking equity as your deposits, that increases your repayments each month. That might be too tight. So your only option might be to sell. Yeah. You might be backed into a corner there. And also the, the um, idea of selling might factor into the overall plan, perhaps you've only owned the property for a handful of years, like I'm saying less than five years maybe, and the growth isn't 100% there yet for it to make sense to sell. So then the question is, do I suck it up for two, three more years and live where I currently am yeah. so that it's a better time to sell? You don't want to be in a position where you have to sell. You want to have a choice that you can sell. Yeah. Yeah. But are we buying and selling in the same market? Mm. Yes. Because if we wait for two years for the market to recover, let's mm-hmm. say it's in a flat market and it's recovering and then we sell, mm-hmm. then we're buying in a recovering market so we rob Peter to pay Paul as they say. Yeah, for sure. I think in my mind the biggest thing is most people wouldn't want to sell at a loss. Like I'm talking if they bought it at a certain point and the market went backwards since then, they wouldn't want to sell out. At the very least they'd want to break even you would assume or it's opportunity cost, I guess, of how quickly they want to move on from the property. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what do you say, location or accommodation? Location always. Yeah. 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 For you personally? 
Uh, no, across the board. Yeah. Like the clients that we work with, it's always, you know, I see people get swept up in these homes and I'm like, yeah, but you can recreate this in a much better spot, mm. you know. Yeah. And that's actually where a lot of first-term buyers can come unstuck is the inability to visualise. Mm. And a lot of people do uh, recognise and appreciate that they just don't have that skill to see something, you know, yeah. come to life or make it look better. Yeah. That's quite a costly thing to not be able to do or at least try and do. Yeah, so would you engage a specialist in that space to come in like a style, not a stylist, a... Um, yeah, like an interior designer, interior designer. or, yep. you know, um, a renovation company to even draw mock-ups mock up, mock of what it could look like. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of good programs online now that you can use tools and apps that can kind of mock up properties for you yeah. to show you what it could look like. Yeah, okay. Worth investing in. Totally, yeah, okay. It's a good idea. Yeah. All right, so what's the next scenario? The next scenario is... Uh, well, we kind of dipped into it there because we were talking about whether you keep the property as an investment and buy your next one or you sell out. Yeah. So if you're keeping it as an investment, the big one for me is your running costs. Mm. What's it going to rent for? What do I need to do to bring it up to scratch for rental, if anything? Uh, What's my after-tax position now on that new property? And is it going to impact my lifestyle and make it too hard for me to repay my mortgage on my upgraded property? Yeah. Yeah, and if you didn't buy it with the intention of it being an investment property from the outset, you might find that those numbers simply don't stack up. Mm. And and generally, if you haven't held it for long enough in most locations around the country, it will be costing you money yes. to hold in today's rates. Yeah, exactly. You can see why people get confused or in a predicament, right, when this mm. situation occurs because it's kind of confusing. Yeah, but not only confusing but they're also thinking about the opportunity cost. Mm. If I sell this property... And then the market kicks again, all of a sudden I've missed out on that growth because I've, I've traded one for the other and yeah. I've still only got one asset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um, one situation we haven't really put in the mix here is you buy your PPR, you live in it for three to five years and you're looking for the next thing. Do you decide to buy yourself some time, make your PPR an investment property and become a rent vested for just even 12 months? Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to go try out a new location. Maybe there's actually not a property on the market that suits your needs right now to buy. So to take the pressure off, you're going to rent somewhere and try that area. Yeah. You know, so there are options. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that comes down to the to people's mindset, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I wouldn't go and rent because that's dead money or uh, I want to stay in this area. So because cause, uh, I, I think back to – maybe COVID was a shift um, for a lot of people in this where they just write, okay, I'm going to move to this other area because mm. it's better for me to be able to work from home because I can get a bigger house to rent or buy even, right? Mm-hmm. So they were almost forced to think outside the square. So yeah. I don't – I think we're conditioned to just follow what everyone else has done. Yeah, exactly. And it can be hard especially when you're in a friendship group where people are doing a certain – you know, things yes. a certain way and you sort yeah. of feel like, well, that's the way everyone's doing it, so we should too. But Yeah, but I think as a result of maybe property prices now, they're forced to do what everyone yeah. else uh, has done Yes, uh, differently because they just got no choice, right? Yeah, there's no other solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, but comparison is the thief of joy. And look, if things were easy, everyone would be doing it. The, the whole point is that being in the property space, owning property is not just 
pay a mortgage and it's straightforward. There's a lot of complexities, particularly when it comes to changing your your dwelling. Yeah, and, and I think you make your money when you buy, and it's it's all, it's been said before. But in the in this instance of okay, I've got my location. It's a house that I don't like, or it's getting too old, and I want to demolish it. Why wouldn't I build on it? If I had the funds, I could handle the mm. mortgage because I've already got my location. Like that yes. part of it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And some people do go in with a strategy, like that is their whole strategy. Buy yeah. in, just get the location while we can afford the location. Yes. Don't care what the house looks like. We'll just suck it up for a couple of mm. years and live in the, the property with things falling down and things not working mm. and then build up the funds to have the deposit to go into a building contract and away you go. Yeah. I knew a guy who bought in dream location, old brick house that had termites. Oh, um, termites in a brick house. Yes. So because as part of those older homes, they've got asbestos in them oh, as well okay. and all yep. that sort of stuff. But yep. any case, um, didn't get a building in pest uh, with the view that they were going to knock it down. And actually for that period, three kids and changed a three-bedroom house into a two-bedroom because they were two little bedrooms and they made just one big bedroom and the oh, yeah. three kids shared. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where this story was yeah. going. Um, but, yeah, to your point, like worst house, yeah. best street sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I'm going to knock this thing down, couldn't care what we live in for a short period of time Yes. Um, while you go ahead and put plans in. But the key being is the mortgage once you complete. Yes. Like how much is it going to cost to build what you want to build mm-hmm. but looking more importantly at the, the end value with your wealth creation hat on and saying, well, am I now the most expensive house in this suburb? Yeah. If I am, that's a risk. Yeah. If I build it and I'm still a million dollars cheaper than the, the most expensive, then I've got some massive upside. Yeah, for sure. And that balance can be very challenging because you have to buy effectively the land, mm. dodgy house at the right price for that to work yes. in the first instance plus the bill costs, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm. So We take a quick break and come back and unpack a few more considerations when you have got property number one under your belt and you're looking for the next move. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So there's a fair bit to consider when you already have a property under your belt. And we're going to take a bit of a sidestep to a question that came through on Facebook from Rebecca. And Rebecca says, how to decide if you should renovate your non-forever home? So this to me would be like a first home. It's probably a stepping stone property. Or decorate it internally, make it comfortable and land bank. What's the formula, please, for an attractive area? And if you're going to land bank, how long should the minimum hold be? Thank you. Loaded question in terms of there's a couple of parts there. Let's start with the first bit, how to decide if you should renovate your non-forever home. I think the question is, for what purpose would you do that? Yeah, that's right. And I think the it's re- renovation from an investment perspective is to, to add value to something to either get a better rental yield or capital growth. So we can yeah. pull equity to go and rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. So if you're renovating your non-forever home, how quickly are you going to move out after you renovate it? Uh, or, or are you saying non-forever is like, oh, I'm still going to be here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, okay, renovate it now. You get 10 years worth of that. That's, that's okay. It'll improve its value if you do it well. I don't see much point in renovating it and then moving out straight away. Yeah, I agree. Your tenants move in and devil's advocate, they ruin your renovation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or not not look after it. Or maybe you're just, if you if you do it to renovate for sale would probably be different in my mind yes. than renovating it to rent it out. Yeah. So the formula is A squared plus B squared equals I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the formula, like when you're thinking about the attractive areas, saying right, what's the the most expensive property in this suburb? Mm-hmm. Like for like, if I've got a house on 500 squares and I've got a three-bedroom, what's the most expensive three-bedroom on that same block of land size-wise and and location-wise? And then I can work back and say, right, if I put 200K into a renovation on this, agents, what's this going to be worth? And we can say, okay, like I said before, is it going to be? Is it going to make it the most expensive house in this suburb, or is it still going to be middle of the road? In other words, are you overcapitalizing by putting that amount of money in, or does it actually make sense to do so? Would have been easier for me to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, so yeah, once you've done that, you can then think about, well, if I'm moving out, why would I be renovating it anyway? Mm. If I got some equity, yes, well, that's the main concern from an investor. So let's just move out, take the equity out and let it do its thing, run run the numbers on the holding costs of what it'll rent for, provided it's up to tenancy standards and it doesn't need anything being fixed. Otherwise, we're just renovating for the sake of renovating. And I think there's also a difference in like, renovating versus cosmetic update in my mind. Like renovation yeah. to me sounds like we've got a lot of tools involved, there's yeah. a lot of money, whereas cosmetic update, flooring, paint, window furnishings, yes. put a circle around 20K depending on how big your property is. 
to me, that's not a renovation. That's an uplift. Yeah, in, that's right. In how it looks and it could attract uh, a better rental listing, a better rental return, mm. you know, more applicants on your property, which is always great. Mm. So, yeah, maybe there's a middle ground for you, Rebecca, in doing a facelift to the property yeah. to make it more attractive for the rental market and in the long term make it more attractive to sell it down the track. Um, All right, so let's do some live numbers on that. Sure. So we punch 10K into it yep. with uh, carpets and paint mm-hmm. and a, just a general cleanup. That 10K gives you $50 a week mm-hmm. of, of increased rental. Mm-hmm. Right, so that is two and a half grand a year. I'm getting my money back in four years, plus I can maybe claim the running costs. Right, that makes sense to me. Sure. If I've got the 10K, that is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 50K reno increases the rent by $100 a week. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, it would take much longer to get it. To get that money back. Yeah. So it's yeah. return on investment from that point of view, but also what will it do to the value of the property? Yes. So I think there's, it's not a fallacy, but a lot of people say, oh, what can I do to increase the rent? Well, buy a house with a better yield to start with. Of course. Yeah. You can't really manufacture an increase of rent beyond the accommodation. I mean, it might look a bit nicer and present a little bit better than Mm. something else down the road, but generally speaking, you should have thought about that before. (laughs) And if the vacancy rates are low enough, it's going to rent anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think Rebecca's, like she's asking making it comfortable, like decorate it internally, make it comfortable and then land bank. If she's making it comfortable for the for the tenant, no, no disrespect to the tenant, but I don't think it may, it may not require that. Yeah, it needs to be to the standards of, of the rental yes. requirements, but yeah, people kind of make their house comfortable by what they put in it, their furniture yeah, and, you know, there's only so much you can do between four walls that are vacant mm. to make it comfortable. Yeah. Now, people might be wondering what the hell land banking is. Mm. So land banking is back in the old days, or well, it still happens today to be honest, people put these options out on, on blocks of land and when the land titles, it may be worth more than what it was when they put an option down on it. Okay, so they then flick it on. Um, that's a short-term version of land banking or they they uh, settle on this block of land and it just sits there for five years and then they sell it off at an increased margin, right? They get no rental income from it because it's only a block of land um, but it's, there's some potentially, not always, um, some tax benefits there as well but then they move it on. So it's it's... They're buying with the sole purpose that because I've bought in a good location, the land value is going to continue to grow and I'm going to reap the rewards of that in the future. Rebecca is saying I'm going to land bank this house by just simply saying I've already owned it and I'm going to hold it for another 10 years to allow it to appreciate as well. And just to close out that question, Rebecca's also asked how long should the minimum hold be for land banking? I don't think there's a minimum, but her already owning this property mm. allows it to be shorter if she needs to. Yeah. If she wasn't a homeowner yet and said, well, I want to go and buy a house and then land bank it, I'd say, well, ideally a full cycle, like 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. But if she's already owned it 10 years, sure, it might have already done its thing and she could flick it on if she needs to. But 
We only, you mentioned it before, you only sell when you want to, not when you need to. Mm -hmm. So if she can rent this out without actually breaking the bank and she can go and buy another home to live in that's an upgrader, knock yourself out. That's the the ideal option. But sometimes something's got to give, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Closing out on the general theme of what next when you have a property, I think the biggest thing to consider is when you go to buy your next property, what does the next 10 years look like? And maybe you didn't necessarily consider that on the first purchase because it was too hard to, there were too many moving parts. You're at a stage of life where you're not sure where it's taking you, but maybe by the time of that second purchase, you're entering like a new phase. For most people, it's that they're partnered up, they're maybe having kids, yep. they're looking at school zones and commute to work and that that's typically mm. how it goes. So you might be able to make a bit more of an informed choice of where that second purchase is. But if you're unsure... I can't say it enough, go and rent there first and then commit because it is highly likely the monetary commitment of the upsizer house is significantly more than your first home. Mm. So you want to make sure that you're doing as much due diligence as you can before you commit. Yeah, you're right. The transaction costs in real estate are are high. Mm. So try before you buy. It's a cool experiment to go and live in another place. I have got so many places I want to live in before I commit. Where would you go? Like I want to explore more of Australia, let yeah, alone like you Melbourne, you know. You mentioned Cairns, didn't you? Oh, I couldn't live in Cairns. Holiday in Cairns. Holiday. But look, I'm up, I'm up on the central coast at the moment with you and it's like, wow, this is nice. Yeah, don't tell too many could, people. Could I live here? <laughs> <laughs> this little hidden gem? No, it's, it's a little bit too quiet for me. Yeah, you need the busyness, don't you? Yeah, but mm. try before you buy is not a bad concept. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Any other thoughts on today's episode, John? Anything else to add? Uh, No, I don't think so. I I think the the final message for me to to the listeners today is if you've got a property and you're thinking of trading in one for the other, more people come to us and say, I should have kept that property versus I should have sold it, right? I don't think I've had anyone saying, gee, this property's crappy, I should have sold it when I... Should have, like yeah. when, I, when I had the chance. Um, so, yeah, if you've got a good asset, if you can make it work, then build your portfolio. But if you can't make it work and it's going to keep you awake at night and it, your mortgage repayments will be too high on the next property, then you might trade it in. Good to know when to move on. Yeah. Well, hopefully that has given you some, at the very least, food for thought on your next move if that's you. And if you already own a home, I mean, that's a milestone in itself. So don't be too hard on yourself. Totally. If you have any questions, always feel free to put them in the Facebook group. And if you found this episode useful and there's someone else who might like it, feel free to forward it to them so they can get a listen in as well. That is a very good idea. And if you need a home in Melbourne and you're wanting someone in your corner with the expertise and the talent, hit Emily up. She's ready and waiting. Although you probably have to line up. She's that busy. (laughs) Sometimes there is a wait list, I will be honest, but it depends when you reach us. Yeah. Well, until next week, we'll speak with you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, 
My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.